4th of September, 2006. A day of firsts. The first train journey to the school gate. The first time sitting in the staff room. The first bell of the school day. The first class of 30 pupils to arrive. The first one of them to misbehave. The first worry about being found out as a trainee teacher. Another chapter in my career story had begun. When it comes to your career, there really is no one formula for success. And if someone had asked me 20 years ago what career I would be working in today, I doubt I would have said employer branding, a career that didn't even exist at the time. Some of the best stories I've ever heard didn't follow a plan. They simply embraced the journey. And that's why I've created this podcast, to share the many career stories that have shaped the people behind them, and to encourage future generations to trust more in the process instead of stressing over getting it right the first time. I'm Steve, and welcome to the My Career Story Podcast. Hello again to all of my lovely listeners, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the My Career Story podcast with another fabulous guest ready to share their career story with me today. Um, An update on um, distribution of the podcast, we're now um, available on Apple Podcasts, soon to be available on Spotify as well, so please do look us up there and subscribe, it's great to have you on board. Yesterday I took advantage of being self-employed and the sunny weather in London, and spent the afternoon with a good friend who's just completed their 13th year as a teacher. We both met in 2006 at the Summer Institute for the fourth cohort of the Teach First programme in Canterbury, at the start of what turned out to be one of the most exciting experiences of my life. Now, as you've already heard in my career story back in the first episode of the pod, when I was growing up, many people around me had often said that they thought I'd make a good teacher. And like most teenagers, the more the adults around me said that, the more I ran in the opposite direction. Um, However, after discovering the Teach First programme in the Student Union at Durham University, and being really inspired by the stories that I'd heard from one of their ambassadors at the careers fair that day, I decided to apply and give it a go, unaware that I was setting off a series of career choices that would lead me to where I am today. Now, during the two years I spent teaching geography, I had the privilege of teaching over 500 different pupils, all the way from year seven right up to year 13. And as I'm sure my fellow participants would say, there were some pupils who will always be more memorable than others. Which brings me to today's guest, Jamala Osman. Jamala is a 25-year-old social entrepreneur and former bank manager at Barclays PLC. She was one of the youngest bank managers in the country and was tasked with running her first branch at the age of 21. Having had a difficult start to life, her dramatic turnaround inspired her to create pathways and programmes for other struggling individuals to help break down barriers. Winner of Great Britain and Ireland's Young Citizen Award for 2018 and TEDx London speaker Jamala is on a mission to help bridge the gap between young talent and organisations. Jamala was also one of those 500 pupils that stepped into my geography classroom between 2006 and 2008. So I have Jamala with me on the line today. Hello, Jamala. Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you after after yesterday? I'm amazing. Yesterday was great. It was great 
For those of you um, listening, Jamala spoke as a guest speaker at the Rate My Apprentice uh, 2019 Awards yesterday and gave uh, yet another inspirational speech to a room packed full of employers. So I had a very proud ex-teacher moment yesterday. Oh, thanks to you. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. So, um, you know what you're here to do and I know what you're capable of. So I'm just going to let you fly with this. So, Jamala Osman, what is your career story? Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) I guess I've got plenty of time. Um, So I'm Jamala Osman. I'm 25 years old. Right now, I'm a social entrepreneur. But I guess, like, in terms of my career story, I have given it a title. I did my TED talk based around this title. Um, I like to call my career story from the block to the bank. So how I become the youngest bank manager in the country at like just 21 in my final year of university. I like to think of my story as just an epic story, but at the same time, not an impossible story. That's why I like to share it so much because there's like so much potential of what other people can achieve based on what I've achieved. I guess I kind of like start off where we like, where we met Steve because we know each other really well. I think I met you when I was in like year seven, year eight, yeah, like mischievous, like kid. Um, I don't know. Do, do you have anything to say about what I was like? Do you re- do you want the honest answer there, Jamal? Or I genuinely do, and like the fact that this is recorded is even even more brilliant. <laughs> so like, yeah. I think first reconnected. I think if you can remember, you were back in Locksford doing a talk for Barclays, and I'd gone in to talk about EY. Yeah. And I think the first thing you did was you came over to me and it was one of the moments when I just thought, oh, I'm really excited to see what she's doing now because you came over and you just went, I'm so sorry for being a B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when I was in your classroom, Mr. <laughs> Keith. And I just, from that moment, you had me. I mean, you had me when you were a pupil, I think, for, yeah. for, um, for uh, the benefit of the audience. It was something that some of the people at the event said to me yesterday uh, when they were like, oh, what was she like to teach? And you touched on it slightly when you were giving your talk was that you did used to write song lyrics and things in, in your exercise book. And I used to get really frustrated with that because I, I saw a huge amount of potential in you. And the thing was, I couldn't, like, I couldn't punish you like the other students that I would give detentions and stuff to because as soon as I put a test or any kind of assessment for learning in front of you, you aced it. Yeah. I was like, she's clearly paying attention, but she's not. Yeah. That's, probably how, that's probably how I would kind of describe our time together in the classroom. I mean, though, to be honest, and you'll hopefully agree with this, 8C was a bit of a challenging class anyway, yeah. as a whole. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I've got fond memories looking back. You were, you're quite the character and you're no different today. So, yeah, that's my yeah. take on it. <laughs> You put it very kindly. <laughs> um, no, but genuinely, like, looking back, the way I like to look at that, like, great, you put it really nicely, but, like, I wasn't the nicest of people. And, like, I kind of stemmed from, like, me not wanting to be there. Like, I was kind of half there, half there, like, half not there. And mm. I was just, like, due to, like, a lot of things that I was going through at the time. Yeah, I just remember, like, in school, just, like, not, to, not a case of, like, not paying attention, but I always felt, like, it wasn't important to me. Like, and I never really found, like, the point of a lot of things and I felt like yeah like I just used to play up to kind of I don't know kill time essentially because I had to be there every single day so like for me I just I don't know it was just kind of a, a, a strange period for me and I was going through a lot outside of school as well so my mum passed away around that time um, I got kicked out of my father's house um, around that time and I think after he left as well like I kind of even continued like 
just playing up and stuff. I remember being on a report card like from year seven all the way to like year eleven. So mm. nothing really like kind of changed. But like like you said, I guess teachers kind of saw that potential, and I'm grateful that they saw the potential that I wasn't yet seeing because a different story today so like I am genuinely grateful and that's why I came up to you and apologised because without people like you or the other teachers that I come across like giving me the opportunity and the chance to just kind of find myself essentially um, mm. I wouldn't be where I am today so like I am just genuinely grateful um, as well as apologetic for all the stress and dramas that I put you guys through um, <laughs> I think, I think we'll let you I think we'll let you off for that and I think <laughs> I'll certainly be sharing it with some of the old teachers that I know from Loxford as well. But I remember having many conversations about you in particular with um, Miss Daly Bennett in the music department. Remember her? Yeah, I remember Miss yeah. Daly Bennett. Great teacher. I'm still, in touch. I'm still in touch with Sinead, so I'm sure oh, if she's listening to this, in fact, I'm going to send her the link once it's live so that she can have a oh. chat about it. But, um, oh, yeah. I think you were you were a really you were a really bright pupil and we could all see it but I think my interpretation I think it was something that I said in one of the posts that I put bragging about yesterday was that my my view of it was that you were struggling to get out of your own way yeah basically so how did how did you do, how did you go about doing that tell everybody um, your, your story of how you turned that around because you have yeah like I, like I said like I was kind of going through a lot outside of school um, and I, I was grateful for the space that the school gave me to kind of like find myself and just kind of let me be me kind of thing um, mm -hmm. um but like you touched on like writing music and writing lyrics and playing football and doing all the sports stuff like that just genuinely helped me kind of come out of my show because like it helped me realize that like you could take so many losses in life and a lot of those losses like you might blame yourself for but mm -hmm. as a young person like majority of those losses they're not down to you and um, they're just down to circumstance and it's like kind of like a tough thing to kind of comprehend like as an adult you're kind of comprehending all oh, like oh like I'm not to blame for this and you're trying to come up with every excuse to like not blame yourself for something but as a young person it's the complete opposite like you're trying like you're trying to like all you're doing is blaming yourself for everything and that's what I kind of found myself in that predicament um, but then when I started like taking like wins in like my music and people were starting to like, enjoy that and when I started to take wins in like just excelling in sport and stuff like that and like when I found myself okay paying that little bit more in some of the exams like I was getting 100% in exams and I hadn't even been in the class like I was off in isolation for like two weeks and come back to lesson and I'd get 100% in exams and stuff and it was like okay cool like there are also things that are inside of my control that I can like enjoying that kind of just helped me come out of that and I'm not going to go too deep into like because this is like a career story I don't want to go too deep into like what I was emotionally going through but I just want to say that it was a tough period that I was going through and like music and like I said those wins and just like pushing myself and being outside of my comfort zone that little bit more and not paying attention to all of those things externally that have happened outside of my control but more focusing on what was inside of my control and creating a life that I feel like I kind of deserve, even though nobody sees it, I can see mm -hmm. it and that's the most important thing. So I kind of come to that conclusion that by the time I finished school, I've completely like had this vision of where I wanted to be. And it was like so alien to even the school because they were just like, what, you're gonna go and do an apprenticeship jam? Like, really, like, is that what you're gonna do? Like, why don't you do your UCAS? Like, why don't you apply for university and stuff like that? And it was difficult to just kind of like, I just had to ignore my teachers 
to the point where they were calling me into meetings and stuff like that I just had to ignore them because I was so confident in what I was going to do with this degree apprenticeship I wasn't going to do no UCAS application or apply for university and stuff like that and I guess they kind of found it difficult like because everybody was doing it and I'm here standing defying saying I'm not going to do it I know what I want to do and that's without even me having a permanent position just like several interviews. What was it that like gave you that confidence to make that choice for an alternative because I obviously didn't see it because I left the school by that point yeah and I can just imagine you digging your heels in and and really kind of going for guns of what you want to do like there's obviously a lot of people today that look up to you and will be making choices about their career like how how did you find that confidence and to go I'm going to do this not what you want me to do because I just believed in myself like I I just genuinely like where I realized so many things like I just had a perspective on life that so much like like I said like if so much horrible things could happen like so many amazing things could happen at the same time so Mm. like I just had to like kind of like I was just confident that there was going to be something amazing coming from all the experiences that I had like even though they were negative experiences I was just confident that that kind of built me up to a person where like I'm not like everybody else why should I I haven't had a life like everybody else why should I do what everybody else is doing kind of thing and I wasn't scared to fail if that makes sense because like I'd already my mind had already taken me to like some dark places so like I wasn't scared to fail because I'd built myself up to give myself another chance and like I wasn't gonna let anybody else kind of dictate that to me or tell me what to do and so even when I was going to interviews and they were telling me no like I was still walking out of that room like confident like after those phone calls telling me no I was still like confident because I knew I was just one step closer to where I wanted to be yeah that's good I mean that's good because there's a lot of people that and it's not just a symptom of young people I think it's there's a lot of us are scared to fail I know I've certainly had times over the last year when I've been worried about failing about making the choices that I've made when I left my last career behind to set up my business and stuff so I think it's something that you carry with you all like all your whole life so yeah. the fact that 100% you- and it's like not something that is like it's not something that like you're born with or like I don't I don't know like I feel like for me it was just a case of like where I didn't have many role models or like people that I could look up to and stuff like that like I found myself like obviously alone a lot because I was in like a mental state where I didn't want to be around people and I had a lot of social anxiety so I found myself just like literally up all night watching videos and like reading books and I was reading books about individuals that have turned their life around completely from like nothing I remember picking up a book from like homeless to Harvard and that's the book that inspired like the title for my TED talk because it's like from the block to the bank because it was like there's a girl against all odds that literally like you would read that story and it's like even her just waking up in the morning and getting on with her day is like a massive achievement let alone going and graduating from Harvard do you see what I'm saying and it was like nobody else around her saw that happening but she made it happen for herself so it was a case of when people were telling me no it was like I, I, I know that what is possible in this world like I know what other people have achieved and I'm no different like I can I can achieve something and maybe like the same way I was inspired maybe inspire somebody else to think a bit differently and it was like even yeah. more paramount that I, that I went and did it because so many people disbelieved that it was possible for me. It's really interesting so how, how did you go about making that first step you decided you wanted to do an apprenticeship so how did you decide which one you wanted to do? 
it wasn't a case of doing apprenticeship. So the first thought started off with like, I, I don't want to go to uni. I need to be working full time. I want to get a job. Yeah. And at the time I was working part time in retail. And then I ended up like just looking for full time work. But like you put in full time work for 18 year olds with no experience, basically. Um, and then like school leaver programs started coming up. And then that was the buzzword that I literally went on. So I didn't even go with like looking for apprenticeships. I just stumbled across apprenticeships. So I was just going more of like school leaver programs. And like, it was quite ambitious because some of the, some of the like grades that they were asking for, oh, like I kind of think big, but I was realistic enough to know like A-levels are different to GCSE. There was no way I was going to get like 320 UCAS points, 300 UCAS points. But like, I still had the courage to apply because for me, I just saw it as practice just to see what the application process is like because eventually there will be an opportunity that's just like right for me so mm-hmm. i've like loads of programs like loads of accounting programs loads of tax programs loads of like banking programs because there was like the majority like industry that were doing school leaver programs i remember even like looking in the entertainment industry as well finding a few and just applying for higher apprenticeships or like programs to like where i can earn money and potentially learn but my main motivation was to like earn money and then I stumbled across the Barclays opportunity and like that was the most realistic out of all of them and out of all of the jobs that like that's the one that I wanted the most I don't know just the way ties there and it was a retail development program like I'd already worked in retail I'm going to be like working with customers I'm going to be able to study a degree as well so they were also offering like a whole degree like I'd be able to go to university and they'd fully pay for it Um, but I was just fortunate enough by that time I'd already done like 10 applications and got to like the majority of them because I knew I wasn't even going to get the grades to secure the position so that by the time it got to the Barclays one it was I'd practiced this so many times it's only like up to me to kind of mess it up so I just went in there with like so much confidence um, and like luckily that kind of sh- shone like showed through and then two weeks after doing that assessment I got told that I'd got the position so I was one of 30 people starting across the country on this cohort of individuals like which was just like surreal so like I'm one of how many people that applied in London there's only like a few of us like less than five of us from London on this program mm-hmm. um which was just insane and that just kind of like gave me like the like the most ultimate buzz because it was like wow like not only like have I been able to secure this position like I made it happen despite like everything that's happening and on top of that, so many people disbelieved that I'd even get onto it. And then I've, I've kind of got onto this program. So, like, I managed to finish school and go onto this program. And, like, I went on, on it with such a high and, like, had this massive bubble and all of that. And then, like, literally quickly within the first, like, two weeks, that bubble was burst because it was, like, what have I got myself into? Like, this is, like, nothing I'd ever... Um, and that was just, like, it just started to make me feel... Not that it was like, it was just overwhelming because it was just so different to what I was used to. And I don't think anything could prepare like somebody like me for the corporate world. Or the only thing that could prepare somebody like me for the corporate world is actually just being immersed in it. And I was never like, found myself immersed in it. I've never even done work experience in an organisation like as big as, as, as big as Barclays. So that was like, it was just very surreal. And when you're seeing your peers and you're seeing how well spoken they are and how well educated they are like yeah it just kind of like knocked me down a little bit and I kind of like went into myself and 
I just kind of found it really difficult to kind of come out of my shell because I was very scared as to, like, if I do show my personality and what I'm really like, would people think that they made a mistake in hiring me? I like, mm. for the first year, like, that's what I was focused on was not being, like, in my head, exposing myself as to who I am because it's like, do I even belong here? Because everybody else they hired is, like, so different to me. Yeah. Um, that, and that sounds that like it must have been really hard for you. It, it was. I mean, that, that transition piece of, like, moving from the classroom into the world of work, I suspect, is something that a lot of young people struggle with. And A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And then on top of that, it's like, I'm going to different worlds. I'm, like, travelling to, like, into London with a suit. And then I'm coming home and realising I work in a bank. I can't come home in this uniform. I don't want all of these questions. And just, like, attracting attention. Because, like, and it's like, I can't even explain that at work because people don't understand where I kind of grew up and like just some of the things like just and it's just not even a case of like I want to do anything it's just a case of like I don't want to have conversations with certain people because it just leads to like awkwardness for me and like I'm more about protecting what I've secured and like making sure that nothing else kind of affects that so like I'm just paranoid on both ends like I'm paranoid that mm-hmm. the people like in my area don't mess this up for me I'm paranoid that <laughs> I'm not getting exposed at work in terms of like just being this ghetto child and that like, what kind of reaffirmed it for me is like our first study block which is like our first university like away placement which happens like after the first couple months we had to do like these group exercises and these group presentations and one of my peers said to me oh like you talk really ghetto and this is me consciously like very like consciously like trying to articulate my and that just kind of shut me down completely and then two weeks later I heard that from one of my line managers directly to my face and she put it she didn't say girl she said street and she did the like little inverted comments and like I, I just didn't even know what to make of it and like for the first year like I was thinking this is an amazing opportunity I'm getting paid like I'm studying a degree like this is amazing but like stick out like a sore thumb and I don't feel like I'm academically as capable in the work environment I'm going back to my own branch and it's like, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm fitting in there like and it was all like a lot of things in my like it was all pretty much in my head most of it anyway um mm. and then I kind of found myself like in this spiral of I just didn't know what to do and I was stuck and the more I was trying to like be better I just found myself suppressing myself a lot more and it didn't make things better I ended up being on a performance improvement plan at work like my university lecturers were like hounding me down for deadlines because I weren't reaching deadlines because I was too scared to ask for help or reach out to my peers and ask them for help because I didn't want anybody, anybody to think I was stupid and stuff like that so like it just made things 10 times worse and like after that it was kind of like a blessing in disguise because like this kind of saved my career essentially so like where I wasn't fitting in the branch and where I was in some like performance improvement plans with I was asked a lot to go and cover other places because I was like just the easiest person to ask to go and cover other branches so when they were short on staff so like I found myself covering this branch in Twickenham um for a few weeks for the first time I'd met people like who are like me the manager was just so like the manager was just amazing and like in terms of like 
trying to get to know me for who I am and stuff like that. Like, she made me feel like part of the team, even though I was covering there. And then just that little bit, like, she didn't even do too much. Like, she was just being herself and the team were just kind of being themselves. But that just showed me something different. It kind of gave me, like, an insight into a world where it's, like, there are different types of people here. And, like, you can be yourself, essentially, and still be successful and still be able to get a job done. Um, and I just kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And the university work started improving a little bit. And we started doing presentations. And the first assignment that we had was to do a debate um, in head office in front of about 30 directors. And this is like in our first six months of us joining the programme. Two days, actually, before our presentation, the team leader drops out. And mm -hmm. the majority of the debate, even though I wanted to speak and like make sure everybody had even parts, the majority of the debate was obviously won by him. He was the strongest speaker in our group and you're doing an assignment, everybody has their roles and stuff like that. And like everybody else was kind of scared to step up in the group. And it was two days before the assignment. We've got a whole opposition there waiting for us with their argument that we have to come together as a group. And that was just a big test for me to step up and an opportunity for me to step up and kind of like show what I'm capable of. Um, in a sense and just kind of yeah that that was just like a, a great opportunity and what happened off the back of that was we ended up doing this debate in head office there was about four teams the first two went up and they did it in presentation style they ended up getting good grades as well but for me I've only ever seen debates parliament debates and they're not done in presentation style so for me it was like oh um, I'd taken a risk because I prepared this whole debate in a debate style but I took that risk and it, and it paid off because it made the other team counteract and it just made a whole spectacle and a theatre of, of the debate which essentially what it was meant to be um, and then I ended up getting offered a job in central London which is what I wanted I got offered jobs in various different areas as well and that just kind of brought confidence to say that you can be yourself you can trust your judgment you can trust your decisions and you can be successful in this environment um, it's just all about adapting um, and just like, yeah, working as, as a unit and as a team and every, everybody doing something different. Really interesting that you're saying that because I think that there's, there's a piece there around for me of like almost like reliving a journey that you might have been through at school where people weren't necessarily investing in you or you weren't investing in them and having to and then finding some confidence to go no I'm not going to go to uni I'm going to go here and then reliving that same experience when you're kind of put in a new situation and people are um, by the sound of it judging you just on the way that you look or the way that you sound and not giving you a chance to to be yourself. And then you get put in an environment where, if I think back to my own journey at EY, when I first joined, when you get a leader that works with you and recognizes the potential that you've got and takes time to get to know you and almost create like a, did you have at any point, like almost like a reverse mentoring type thing going on where you were learning from them and they were learning for you? Yeah. So, so carry on with the, the story. So you've got some, um, you've got some, opportunity to go and work in central work, London to, with Barclays. Yeah, to go work in central London, um, which yeah. is what I wanted. The commute I was doing was a bit too long. So like everything was just kind of falling in into place. And bearing in mind, the guy that offered me the job in central London was the area director. And he, um, so before central London was one, so it was the city of London actually, but like in the square mile. So um, I'd actually 
emailed him a number of times, tried to get meetings with him so many times. And it always felt like I was going to get my transfer, but it just kind of never happened. And it's the first time we met in person was him watching this debate. And he came up to me and he was like, oh, so like, didn't you want to come and work in the city? And I said, yeah. He's like, okay, how about Monday? Like, what branch do you want to work in? Just tell me what branch you want to work in and then like, we can make it happen. And I've been going back and forth with emails with him and his team for the, the longest. And it was just like, for him just seeing me and my like, me taking a risk and being myself, that just gave me even more confidence that I'm going to go into this area and do exactly what I did is have confidence in myself and my capabilities and just start again. Because I just felt so like the first six months and I needed to go through that process and I needed to see those things. Because essentially that was a development curve, that development curve that I needed to go down. Um, and it just made it that much more, more worthwhile, especially when I was building up to a leadership role where I'd have potential staff who'd be feeling that way as well. So I'd be able to, to relate to that. And yeah, as a leader, seeing some of the great aspects of what that leader and took in and branch brought to me and how she made me feel, I learned a lot from that as well. So like, I kind of needed to go through that um, period. So like, I kind of started in Central London. That was f- f- fresh. Everybody on my course by that point was already personal bankers. I was meant to be a personal banker in the branch that the area director was working in. And I went to the office on Monday and I said to him, I don't want to work in this branch. I want to work in Morgate branch. And it's like, he almost fell off his chair. He's like, why do you want to work there? Um, but that was just kind of a bold move for me because it was like, I want to work in the busiest branch in the city. Like I, I want to like, I want to show that I can work in a team and I'm like not looked at as, a high apprentice or they didn't even know who we were they just used to think we were graduates I didn't want to look be looked at differently I didn't want to work in a quiet branch I wanted to really like test myself um, and he asked me why do you want to work there and I said I want to challenge and Maggie who was the manager there she's a great manager I want to work for her so she had a reputation of being like a, a strict leader but she had like very high expectations everybody in her team used to excel um, the development of her team, like people used to move up very, very quickly. Um, and yeah, like there was just, everybody knew the brand of that branch and it was just a very high standard branch, but not the easiest to work in. Everybody agreed it wasn't the easiest to work in and nobody really volunteered to go there. Um, but like I, I, want, I wanted to start my journey there and I wanted to be seen as not just a graduate or somebody like who's just there for a free ride and stuff like that I wanted to just be recognized as part of a team so yeah like that was the best decision I ever made everybody was starting their personal banking um which is like the next role um up in my course and like I was still behind and when they was asking me do you want to be a personal banker now and they were about to transition me into that role I took another bold move and decided that I just wanted to start my whole course again in terms of the professional side and the professional learning aspect of it to start off as a cashier because for me I felt like I started off in a new area I'm in a new branch with a new team I want to start off like I want to learn and it's a, it's just so many dead technology was just different and I just felt like if I'm really going to be a leader one day like I need to be able to un- understand all aspects of the role and I don't want to skip I, I genuinely knew my learning at that point was so flawed especially like having come from the area that I've come from and working in such a high pace, high, high, fast paced like environment. Um, so I started off as a cashier again. I did that for six months and like literally in the first year of my professional career, all I did 
was cashier. Um, and I, I had an amazing, amazing time doing it. I got to know customers. I just got to know the ins and outs of, of the banking world. I, my assignments were like up to par past my first year. And I, that was really good. And I ended up moving up to my personal banking role. Um, but where I'd kind of worked with personal bankers and I was like observing and shadowing, I managed to kind of get through that process a lot quicker. Um, and my manager at that point, after the first like year and three months, four months, um, after doing my personal banking role for four months, and where I did cashiering for so long and I was covering the back office, I'd kind of nailed the operations side of things as well. She kind of sat me down and said, you're ready for leadership. So she didn't make me an assistant manager in the branch, um, but essentially I was a team leader um, on one of the floors in the branch. Um, which was great that she gave me that responsibility because she recognised that, yeah, I'm good at having conversations with customers um, and meeting their needs and stuff like that, but she understood that my strengths kind of lie with people and she got a lot of positive feedback from all the cashiers. And this is one thing that I always believed is that as a person or as any individual, it's not your leaders who are going to pull you up or that is a possibility, but like in terms of like if you're looking to move up in your career, it's like your peers and your subordinates that like will genuinely be the like main propellers in terms of pushing your career forward um so like i genuinely always try to look for value amongst that, that population of the workforce rather than like having to email my manager every day and be like this is what i've done this is what i've done it's much more effective if somebody else goes to the manager and says oh in their one-to-one and mentions your name a few times if that makes sense it does make sense. Like one of the, one of my um, fellow classmates, um, Cheryl, if she's listening to this, that did the podcasting course that did that I did that with her uh, at Seth Godin runs that led to me setting up this podcast. She's just literally I've just literally been listening to it this morning. One of her episodes is literally that peer coaching piece and how it is something that people get a lot out of. So. I can I can absolutely understand why that would be important. So how did you go from your career at Barclays to where you are today? So the career at Barclays, I've finished my apprenticeship. So like after like doing leadership role in that particular branch, I ended up doing an official assistant manager role in Canary Wharf in my second year. And then I became a bank manager in my final year, running my own branch. And that was just incredible, like just to see like how the journey started. But just also just the potential and the, the growth of it and I learned a lot and all of those and setbacks and those obstacles and challenges that I faced were just learning opportunities but with every role and every step up that I was making I always had a transition period and even stepping into the corporate world and anything that you do I always had that little like for example in my first few months as an assistant manager it took me a long time to settle into that role and what I realized at the end of the day like it was me and my mind getting in the way of it and if I just really broke down the role my role at the end of the day is to assist the branch manager so that's all I focused on and every single day it was just a case of what can I do to support my team and create an environment for them and what can I do to make my branch manager's life easier believed that I was capable of doing it and similar when I was a branch manager that was scary because there was nobody a my age doing it I was still in my final year of university and I was in a spotlight branch, the regional office was just upstairs. I had directors walking through my doors every single day. And it was just like, I just didn't know whether I was ready. And there was a conversation I had with one of the regional managers and she came up to me and she said, like, are you just waiting for somebody to like tap you on the shoulder and tell you like, you can, you can 
can go back now. And I was like, do you know what? That's exactly what I feel like. I just genuinely feel like somebody's going to just come up to me and be like, yeah, like, jam, go back to like where you came from kind of thing. Like, you're not meant to be here. Um, and like, just the fact that she kind of felt that I was feeling like that and she ended up mentoring me a little bit and that just kind of helped me believe a little bit more that I am capable. And I had a very successful apprenticeship, which led to a very successful career, back to management, managed the Strand branch for a year and a half, which is incredible. And then just decided to not just woke up one day and decided to leave, but I just had such an incredible career that even, like, I had so much belief going into it that even kind of proved me wrong on so many different levels. There's just so much barriers between young people and this world that I've been immersed in in the last six years. Um, and that was just a very uncomfortable feeling for me because going to these schools and speaking to them and telling them about my career and them having all of these questions, it's like, it only like helped so much of the problem. And I had a full-time job at that part, at that time. And it was like, I can't fix this. And then like Barclays are doing more apprenticeships. If only they had the belief in themselves and organizations thought a little bit differently about certain individuals and where talent really comes from. Like the world in general, just be like a much more amazing place. Um, and I felt mm. like with my experiences and stuff like that, I don't know, like, I felt like with my career journey and my mapping, obviously you get into a habit of, like, trying to map your five-year career and stuff like that, and it just genuinely didn't scare me. It, it didn't scare me, like, being a young director of a company, being a young black female of director of a company, like, that didn't scare me. Like, there was a purpose to it. I would have had a part to play in society. I would have felt fulfilled, but I wouldn't have been fulfilled to the extent that I believe I went through what I went through for. So I believe I went through so much and proved so much. It's like the story, I just believe the story is different. So I kind of left with no plan on what I wanted to do other than just to help bridge the gap between young talent and organisations. And I just went out with open mind and it was scary, but yeah, I feel like a year on the journey, I've kind of found myself a lot more, I've kind of gone through that transition period um, I genuinely like have so much more hope for for the future because there's so many people out here trying to trying to make a difference in in this field. What is it that you love the most about the work you're doing at the moment? That I can be absolutely 100% authentic on myself, um, mm. and that's that's the one thing that I love. And like I genuinely believe that every single person should be able to do that in the corporate world and be able to do that working as part of a brand. And I genuinely like want to be a part of building that world. Um, mm -hmm. but like that is the best thing at the moment working for myself is, is like you like you saw yesterday like I'll, I will go on a stage and I will rap in front of directors or companies because I feel like that's me and if I want to get a master message across I don't have to speak it I can rap it if I want to um, and not be stigmatised and, and thought as, as somebody who would not add value to, to the industry and stuff like that so like that's the one thing that I genuinely enjoy like I said like I, I do believe that it's possible for individuals to feel like that in industry and in, in, in corporate environments and like, like I do want to be a part of the solution to help 
That's like so it's so awesome that everything that you're doing right now and you're absolutely right. When you were on that when you're on that stage yesterday, you were you could just tell you're in your zone. You're you you're a very confident person whenever I speak to you now, much more confident than you were in the classroom. Your confidence was in the classroom was kind of just muddied by the volume, I think. Yeah. Um, and and having spoken to you in depth about this now, like everything else that was going on in the background as well, probably was playing into that. But the fact that you've got such clear focus on what it is that you want to achieve and why you want to achieve it, and that's giving you, it's almost fueling you to be the best version of yourself that you can be. How do you, because you, you're obviously a very busy young lady and you are in demand, how do you take time for yourself? Because I think that's something that a lot of people and particularly young people are struggling with. I guess like one thing that I found since leaving as well is like you can be busy, but like busy not doing a lot in terms of actually progressing and achieving stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it's just a case of like being a lot more disciplined. And, like, for me, it's just, like, I thought, I believe everybody, like, defines, like, time for themselves. Like, just different, like, different things. It could be chilling. It could be being in a gym. It could be, like, just watching, having time to watch Love Island or something like that, whatever it is <laughs> that you, you choose to, to have your downtime and stuff. But the most important thing in order to enable you to have that downtime and have it with, like, no guilt. Because I feel like, as a young person, like, we, we, do, we do have downtime we just have it with guilt and it's procrastination downtime like you put on Netflix when you know you've got a 4,000 5,000 word essay to write or you put on like you, you go out and, and, and chill with your mates when you know you've got work to do if that makes sense but it's just a case of like writing your goals and setting out your goals to have that guilt free like what I like to call the guilt free like jam time which is mm. like if I set a goal for a week for the week um, and what I've started to do is just set my goals daily because I'm so busy so I'd set my initial goals for the week and just make sure my week is done and I set my goals daily and if if it's a case of like stuff's coming into the diary and it doesn't align with my goals like they, they might just have to move out or be postponed or yeah. like just be put aside um, and it's also a case of being smart and just kind of pre-meditating periods where I'm going to be really busy and really quiet so I know next the next couple of weeks are going to be really busy for me I had a few days this week so it's a case of people are asking for my time then put it in this week rather than next week and it's just a case of like just trying to be super organized i haven't nailed it yet but setting goals and just having priorities for your week and your days will definitely help because if you've achieved what you set out to achieve that day then you can have that guilt free chill time that's a, that's a really good piece of advice there i think for anybody not just young people but anybody that's working i was going to finish the uh the interview with you because i'm mindful of time as well of um what the best piece of career advice you would give somebody is but is there anything you would add to that because i think that was a pretty good piece of advice in itself um never underestimate what you can learn from difficult moments and difficult situations in your career like never underestimate it and never underestimate what you can learn from like bad experiences because you'll 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 definitely learn a lot and you'll be able to use those experiences for for life basically it, it does teach you a lot so quote I always like to say is like if your circumstances have the power to depress you they also have the power to progress you so like use it to fuel your passions and your purpose and what you set out to achieve in this world I think that's a pretty damn good quote, Jamala. And on that note, I'm going to wrap up 
the uh, conversation with you and say thank you so much for your time and i'm looking forward to our um, paths continuing to cross in the future you're a really big inspiration for me and probably for a lot of people that are going to be uh, listening to this today so thank oh, you for that thank you so much okay it's really nice to chat to you i'll speak to you soon take care bye thanks bye